a welcome to a spook for oddities. This will be our special launch episode for season two. A spooked hack you There's a lot to live up to there. I know. I was like, I was like, I've tried to make my like research as spooky as possible, but that's a Big. That's bigger than we discussed before this started. I think people have just plopped the panties right now. (laughs) And they're just going to run away. And they go, I can't listen to that podcast. It's far too too spooky for me. Much too spooky for me. Too spooky for me. But anyway, (laughs) so we're we're, we're mixing it up a bit for the spooktacular. It's going to be really spooky because we're slightly mixing up the formula. So we're going to do two separate halves. So I'm going to do the first half. Katie. And I, Vincent, will do the second half. (laughs) So we're doing our typical, like... Uh, student and teacher roles, yes. but we're mixing it up for a Halloween special. Yeah, just mixing it up. Something a bit funky, something a bit groovy, a bit ooh and a bit ah, and a bit ooh and a bit ah. Do you know what? Uh, I explained this this concept in bed to my wife. In bed? Yeah. What, when you were yeah. bedding <laughs> the wife? Or just... <laughs> yes, it was very close to her face. Like, we're going to record this episode. <laughs> oh, no, no, going, no, no, I'm no. I'm going to finish. Um, we were sat very... Um, Far apart, as far apart as you can get. Reading your newspapers, doing Um, your crosswords. One of us was knitting, the other one was reading. No, we weren't. We were just falling asleep. And I was like, (laughs) oh, this is what we're doing. And she said, oh, you should get like Halloween snacks and rustle them open on the podcast. And I was like, that's a great idea. I love the concept, but man, I can just imagine some people would hate that. I'm quite picky with my audio. Yeah, I think it would be kind of annoying. I don't mind a bit of... A bit of stuff here and there, like the opening of a bottle, but mm. I think it could get a bit much. Any mouth noises, anybody who knows me, I might have even said it on the podcast before, but mouth noises, eating noises, that's a big spooky X in my book. A, a big spooky no. Big spooky a no. no. A no. Like mukbangs are like my worst. Oh. Like, do you remember? Th- How oh. is that a thing? Oh, some people. Oh, some people really like it, don't they? I they guess really that how it is a thing. Well, each to the own. Take us away from the grossness that is yeah. an internet mukbang. Well, well. <laughs> My next she relates to food. Oh, oh what a link. you out. What a linky-poo. To start us off, I want to talk about carving vegetables. Carving vegetables. Carving vegetables. What do you not, what, go on. What do you normally, what do you, what, what do you like to normally carve on a, on a Samhain Eve? You're going to have to define Samhain to Oh, me. I should, I should. What is Samhain? Well, Samhain means summer's end in Gaelic. Oh, okay. So I, I could have maybe guessed that. It's a sort of sort of pagan-y, sort of wickery so, way of saying Halloween. When you say carving vegetables, I've being a, a vegetarian, mm. I've got the image of someone, instead of carving a turkey, it's just a huge Swede, and they're like <laughs> serving it up to their family in some kind yeah. of poverty-stricken Eastern yeah. European com- Sorry, country. Sorry, guys, we've, we're just having turnip slices for dinner tonight. But if you're talking about like Halloween carving yeah. and the typical thing of carving pumpkins... Um, I'm an art student, so it's not just faces. It's oh, like, do you get the I've, stencils out? I've got the stencils out. I've done, I've done a Studio Ghibli one before. Have you? Yeah, it was crap, but I've done it. Um, <laughs> I've helped do an Oogie Boogie before. Oh. Um, what else have I done? I actually tried to do one as a typeface and then stopped halfway through <laughs> it on being a first year student, and I thought. This is so cringy. <laughs> I was also in a second floor flat, so if I put it outside, it would just set fire to the carpet and yeah. that would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but what vegetable was it you have done all these magnificent delights in? That would have been a pumpkin. A pumpkin? <laughs> That's what I think about that. No, 
I think the Americanization of Halloween or Samhain mm. is something I feel like that's quite often discussed at the minute. And the pumpkin is your America. And I'm all, I'm here for all the more the merrier when it comes to Halloween shenanigans. Give me, give me them all. Give me everything. All the Halloween shenanigans. <laughs> but the traditional traditions, the traditional traditions, yeah, no less. Yeah, hence why they're traditions. Yeah. And the folklore for Samhain or All Hallows' Eve in the Ooh. UK and Ireland is super interesting and definitely worth keeping alive. And are actually the root, pun intended, <laughs> for many of our present day traditions. So... Samhain. Samhain. Sounds, it sounds like like a Samhain sounds like somebody that would have been like a, an important figure in the past. Like, oh, Samhain. Yeah, exactly. Get your history books out. Turn to Samhain. Oh, it's very important. I mean, like sort of Christopher Columbus kind of era. Boo, Christopher Columbus. Well, yeah, I'm not saying he's a pillager and rapist, but I'm saying but that, that kind of era. Sam, yeah, yeah. Mister Hain. Mr. Hayne. And he's part of the four important seasonal markers for our ancestors. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? This important seasonal markers for our ancestors. So as we've spoken about probably the past, I've witted on about this, the agricultural lifestyle of the UK and Ireland. Yes. So we've got our summer and our winter solstice. We've got our spring and our autumn equinoxes. Yeah. And during this time, when we transition from seasons, the veil between the worlds of life and death is finished. Ooh, finished. I've and heard that before. The veil is thin. Yes. The veil is very thin. And uh, you're most likely going to encounter some spirits and some spooky-ass shit at this point. That Well, every year there's like a, a hysteria article from a reputable <laughs> paper of some kind that says like, children buying Ouija boards en masse. And then there's like a very like worried grandmother that knows her folklore. She's like, the eve, the eve is hollow. The veil is thin. Warn those children. Mark my words. Yes. They will end up in the chimney breast like old Timmy boy did in the 50s. He lost his boy. Don't look me in the eye though. I will show you how you die. Um, So yeah. (laughs) That's just like in the Daily Mail comments. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Carl Hanley's in style web. So, yeah, like Facebook this, page. This is an article about a new hiring at an accountancy firm. <laughs> Why is this in the comments? Mark my words, <laughs> young laddie. Being threatened by Brenda from Workington. <sighs> Watch out. Some There's definitely a Brenda in Workington. There is. Love it. Sorry, Brenda. Sorry, Brenda. She's bad. She's badass. She's a badass bitch. So really, yeah. Bit of an introduction to Halloween in general, where it's your turn of the season, spooky stuff is happening. And so I'm going to refer to Halloween, Samhain in the same breath because we're doing Gaelic. Okay. And this is where we're going to come into not, we're not carving pumpkins because that's a very recent Americanization of the tradition. It actually originated with carving turnips. Ooh. Uh, turnips being the vegetable, being probably the m- most accessible and affordable crop for us all. I was going to say, like, do, do we. Like, does our traditional agriculture have pumpkins as part of it? No. I doubt it does. No, no, no. I think it was, it, she sort of, I mean, I don't think, I think I've had some of that turnips originally aren't even native, but we've had them for so long that they yeah. feel pretty darn British and Irish, don't they, turnips? Yeah. It's that potato, you sort of, when you first realise that potato isn't from the... Um, oh, is it not? No, 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 Where's no. Where's potato from? Not, um... South America. Is it really? Yeah, like your coffee and your stuff. The, well, I, and coffee tomatoes. makes sense and tomatoes make sense, but potato is just so 
it just comes across as so British to it's me. So, but it's versatile and white. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> just sort of quite bland if you don't do anything proper with it. Like it's all over the the planet. Mm. You can get potato anywhere around mm. the planet, as can you get British nationals, <laughs> expats. It's white. It's somewhat tough, but softer if you bake it. Aww. Like British people, you put with British people in the sun and they get all soft and, and then peeling. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. And we Has sprout green when... They have ears. British people oh, have ears. Oh, there you go. I think you've cracked the, the code of Brit, what... Brits are potatoes. But we're not. We're turnips. But I think... so. Okay. Can, yeah. Sorry, I've kind of derailed that. Why turnips? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This, this episode now is becoming your conspiracy theory of... The Illuminati. People are potatoes. Aliens have turned us potatoes into humans. But, you know, we're not going to see many wild pumpkins. You might have the occasional gourd, your decorative gourd. Oh, God. Don't oh, test me. Oh, God. <laughs> Doing me. But, yeah, the people are going to be, people were carving ghoulish faces into turnips. And, you know, other local produce, such as, I went to my. Radishes. Can you imagine trying to carve a radish? Oh, it would be a very fine carving. You'd need a nice little sharp knife. Because mm. remember, I what's mean, a sharp knife? Uh, a knife that isn't dull. <laughs> a safe knife. Oh, yes. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, like, we haven't rehearsed these uh, sharp knife idioms. Like, I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I not send you that email about sharp knives? And not put out that... Memo. I mean, I do agree with you. I, I hate nothing more than finding myself having to do something with a blunt knife. Oh, oh it's just terrible. Ooh, the flimsy ones with a plastic handle. I, no, the worst is when you get somewhere and they're like, yeah, here's the knife. They've got one knife and the, the tip of it's broken off. Oh. So it's just like a straight edge at oh. the end. And it's like, I can't slice anything with this. I can't pierce. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I hate it. No. But... um. You were saying about people carving radishes, which is difficult, but turnips aren't that much bigger. Yeah, famously, turnips are hard to carve. Hard and not particularly large. No, like when no. you think of a pumpkin, like they're quite big, but they're nice and soft. Yeah, they are. They're easy. They're, I mean, the reason why you could get such detailed oogie boogie stencil designs, and I think that's why they've become so popular now, is people go fuck get sod turnips. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna do a pumpkin. I'm not getting Totoro on a turnip. <laughs> Totoro, no thanks. Totoro on a turnip. That's great. And um it did originate sort of just having a lantern, but metal lanterns were very expensive, so many turned to root vegetables because they were abundant in in that time of the year. Yeah. Uh and sort of um yeah, sort of cheap. You sort of think, oh well, I've got five hundred turnips for the for the winter. I might as well carve one to do my carving in. And I mean, it, is it not true that the people that would be around this time in in the agricultural societies were a bit more into folklore, a bit more sceptical? The people definitely. that saw themselves as a bit higher, saw themselves as a higher class, wouldn't like regard themselves with folklore that much. I think it was more of the common people, like yeah. you said in multiple episodes. Yeah, I think, you know, folklore, it's for the general folk. And I think, yeah, you sort of, when I mean, your livelihood depends on the weather doing well, you sort of go, oh, better make sure I say nice things to the sun or Mr. Tree, Apple Tree over here. Better learn these rhymes. Better learn these darn rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it started off by just hollowing out vegetable and then time... Carving faces, bit more ghoulish, bit more fun, but it also keeps the light within 
to remain longer as well. The light within. The light within. So <laughs> it all begins, and it's all—it's quite sort of, you, you Google carving turnips, you're going to see this fella, Stingy Jack, which is an Irish folktale. Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. Uh, and in brief, um, you know, he tried to trick the devil um, for his own gain. He died. Saul was trapped and cursed to roam the earth. And he had a lantern. Now, would you like? Would you like that? Would you like a full version? Do you, should, should I give you a, a, full, a full version? A stingy full version. Don't don't be stingy, Jack. With me. Don't be, don't be give stingy. Me the, give, you know, be plentiful, Jack. Be plentiful, give, Jack. With give tail. it to me. Okay, I might, should I do a spooky voice? Uh, I mean, how long is it? Like, if it's like, oh, it's three paragraphs. Wow. Okay, it might be a little bit tiresome. It might be tiresome. If, but like, you could you could spookify. So as the paragraph ends, you could go. Ooh. <laughs> But like a spooky voice Ooh. over a whole paragraph. I, yeah. I think you can embellish it, but if you want to put on a deep voice. I could put on a deep voice. I could come right up to the microphone. And I'm just going to tell it how it is. Okay. As the tale goes, a man called Stingy Jack invited the devil for a drink. You know. Good, As you do. Good drinking partner. Like, because you've just got the devil's, like, business card he's to got, hand. He's got, come on, text. Come on, text. <laughs> yeah, um, pal, come over. Yeah, but he managed to somehow... The, I mean, the charm of the Irish tongue convinced him to shapeshift into a coin to pay for the drinks. Uh, but when the devil obliged, Jack decided he wanted the coin for other purposes and kept it in his pocket on a small silver cross to prevent it turning back into the devil. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing this year, Jack. But Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he wouldn't bother Jack for one year and wouldn't claim Jack's soul once he died. Um, but the next year, Jack tricked the devil once more. I don't know how he's managed to do this. Jack! Uh, by convincing him to climb up a tree to fetch a piece of fruit. And when he was up in the tree, Jack carved a cross into the trunk so the devil couldn't come down until he swore he wouldn't bother Stingy Jack for another ten years. I was going to say, he, he drew it a bit early, just saying a year. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if I literally have control over the devil, I wouldn't just be like... Leave us for a couple hundred days. Ah, uh, five minutes. That'd yeah, be right. It'd be all right. Ah, be right. No, he's he's playing games. He's playing games. But eventually, Jack does die, and God wouldn't allow him to heaven, and the devil wouldn't allow him into hell. So instead, he was sent into the eternal night with a burning coal inside a carved-out turnip to light his way. He's been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to the spooky figure as. Jack of the Lantern, which then became oh. Jack of Lantern. Woo! I wondered where that came from. I mean, good that's, eh? that's not. I I don't understand how the devil's like how the devil operates because surely he's not allowing people into hell in through favoritism and nepotism. Like because he's pissed off the devil, he can't go to hell. Surely that would be more reason for him to go well, to hell. I think the devil's just like, oh, this bloody toss pot. I'm going to send him to Greta Punishment, roaming the eternal night. Right, okay. I was going to say, like, like there's not much, like, favouritism in going to hell. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Me me and Hitler, we were great friends. Oh, good buddies. Good buddies. We'll go <laughs> he, to the dictator's uh, yeah, exactly. VIP zone. Uh, yeah, him and Mussolini can come and chill out together. Oh, mate, can you imagine? The, oh, they'll just be trying to, like, one-up man each other, aren't they? Yeah. They'll be like, oh, well, I invented uh, the camps, actually. Yeah, actually, I'm worse than you. Actually, and I'm an in, in comes Stalin yeah. with a turnip in hand, <laughs> Chairman Mao. Like, <laughs> sorry, boys, I'm just late to the party here. <laughs> oh, you you hurt other people. I just killed my own people. <laughs> There's a giant moth wow. uh, trying to get in. He's really big. I can see his big eyeballs, big puffy chest. 
and he's trying to get. I mean, I That's love moths. Spooky. That's really spooky, especially how dark his we're, eyes we're, are. We're sat facing a window, and it's pitch black outside. And this, I've never seen a moth so big in this country. It's really chunky. It's like it, the body is like bigger than I don't know what. What I would say that's like a what's it. Yeah, it's like bigger than a hornet. Yeah, he's yeah. a big boy. He's a big fluffy, and we're really high up as well. What with this. Three stories up. Three stories? Yeah. Ooh, it's Jack, oh, it's Jack of the Lantern. Come Ooh. back as a moth. This tale stared about. Everybody's gone, oh, yeah. Jack Jack of the Lantern. Dob on. And obviously when the, especially the Irish immigrants moved to America and they discovered pumpkins and they also discovered they were easier to carve, they went, bingo. I like I like that you've just, like, the whole tale was like an etymology. That was really nice. Like, <laughs> Jack of Lanterns. Jack of Lanterns. Because I never Stinchy quite Jack. knew why they were called that. No. I just accepted it as... Because we don't really use that term over here that much, do we? We normally say a carved mm. pumpkin. We don't say, it's Jack Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, this is this is the sort of little history. And these lanterns were also used to guide people to places that were celebrated Samhain. So, a bit further along. And we might not be sort of saying, ooh, getaway ghouls. But we're having a bit of a party, a bit of a raucous time. And we're guiding. Or even, you know, you carry them around on a little peg. Uh, when you're wearing your costume, as you go a ghouling, asking for treats, trick or treating, and all of that. Ghouling. Ghouling. Is yeah. ghouling just like scaring people? Yeah, just being pretty ghoulish. Mm. You ghoulish child. You'll be so ghoulish. Look at you with your jack o' lantern on a stick. <laughs> um, and this is actually documented in a traditional song found in Halloween. Its origins, rites, and ceremonies in the Scottish tradition. So I've got a sort of a Scots version and then one that I've sort of translated into sort of more clearer English. Wait, you can translate Scots? Well, with the power of the internet. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, wow. Have you heard about that guy that translated 32,000 articles in Wikipedia into Scots? And he wasn't (laughs) translating it into the traditional Scottish language. He was just writing like how Scottish people write on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like... Like, Faye and fa, me and ma'am. Yeah, like, yeah. I just can't believe he managed to do so many as well. It was like thousands and thousands of articles he was translating into what is essentially just slang and gibberish. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. you could, I mean, you can you could get, like, all of the Harry Potters in Scots wow. and stuff. People use quite a bit. I don't know anybody that... Like, I know a few people that can speak Welsh. I don't know any... I've never heard of anybody speaking Scots. I think it's part quite integral with English as well now. It's quite blended. Mm. So you'll see in this, it's quite sort of blended. So I'll, I'll give you a read. I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. No, that I I mean, mine is terrible, so I'm not even going to offer mine. Mine's, mine's pretty shocking. But oh, the way it flows, so... Halloween, a nicked o' time, a cannel in a custock, a howkit neep with glowing een... To flag Beth, witch and warlock. Right, I know Neep. Neeps and Tatties. Neeps and Tatties, there you go. Yeah, so, so. I know Neep. Um, I don't remember the rest. <laughs> so the sort of, the translated sort of simplified version. Halloween, a night of fire. A candle in a cabbage stem. A turnip lantern with glowing eyes to scare both witch and warlock. Oh, nice. That's and was cool, this was this by like a famous poet of any kind, or is it just like like folk? It just I think ca- it's gets just a folky along. sort of tradition. It's yeah. not like Burns or anything like that. No, I think it's just a sort of one of these that goes about. So, one of my favourite bits about the carved ter- turnip, and like I say, once you Google it, oh well, this this oh, tell you what, this is a cheeky plug because we now have a space for oddities Instagram. Instagram. So at space for oddities, and I'll post the picture up on that account so you can see it. 
That'll be all oh, look at us being the future. So there's a very famous picture of a carved turnip. Uh, and it was uh, a, now it's now a plaster cast made from an old real carved turnip living in the Museum of Country Life in County Mayo, Ireland. Ah, okay. And it is horrifying. I think I've seen it. Is it like a sort of stout conical turnip, and it's got little Norish, <laughs> almost like jaws from uh, James Bond, little, yeah. and he's got sort of inset tiny little eyes. Yeah, he's got these tiny. It's like it's described as a pinched face. Pinched uh, by like the sort of the museum, it's got quite simple small features, not like extravagant stuff. It's got these two little evil devilish eyes with this little grin, and it's got its little teeth yeah, as well, little sharp teeth. And obviously, I think as it sort of went a bit manky before they took a plastic cast, it sort of it's added that... to that rotten Ooh, sort of horrible kind of yeah. Look. It just it's just so it's so sinister. This little squinting face, and it's uh, also referred to as a ghost turnip. A ghost turnip. The ghost turnip with its um, squinty face. I like the idea of a ghost turnip, like, ooh, watch out. You didn't harvest me in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we've got a bit of a quote here from the manager of the museum. The records have it as the original lantern from Donegal donated in the early 40s by a school teacher. And she was donating it because nobody in that area was making that type of lantern anymore. Uh, and she wanted to make sure that tradition was remembered. Which is <laughs> I like really the nice. idea that he was a school teacher. Like, yeah, kids, look at this that I've made. Oh, look at this. Oh! All the kids go, oh, <laughs> oh my God. What the fuck is that, miss? I mean, that, I can, can you imagine, like, in America, they have, like, apples on teachers' desks, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And in, in Donegal, they've just got this god-awful, ugly turnip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with this tiny pinched face. I <laughs> will kill you in your sleep. Going to nibble your toes off if you're not careful. <laughs> and, I mean, the, it's the manager called Tony... Tony Atoni, uh, and oh, he Atoni, says, yeah. Atoni, you know, Atoni, and he says about it that people do recoil when they see it in the flesh, and there's, you know, there's a fascination with it. It sends a shiver down the spine. It's quite small, but it's very powerful. Ooh. I That's like how it. I uh, refer to my genitalia. <laughs> it's quite small, but Pe- it's very powerful. People, people crawl in their skin when they see it. <laughs> they go, oh! oh, has it got a little face with teeth coming out as <laughs> oh, well? Oh God, I hope oh. not. God, I can't. I don't really even think about that. But do you know my dedication to the pod? Yes. I carved a turnip. Oh, and have you brought that with you? Oh, I should have, shouldn't I? Have you? Have we got a photo? I have like... got a photo. Okay. I'll show you. I'll show you a photo. It's. I... I couldn't find a turnip for love and money, so I've got a Swede. Okay, that'll do. So a Swede slightly bigger and slightly softer. And from the region of sweden sweden yeah i mean oh God, it's I didn't... a poor swedish man with like a like a grotesque face carved in his chest um so i'm go. gonna i'm gonna visually describe this to the audience okay so this is a little stout swede um it's had his little head chopped open and his guts pulled out and he's got a triangle for a nose diamonds for eyes and a little a little smiley grin which i can only describe as it looks like he's a bit stoned, actually. He's he's quite chill. He's not super scary. Like, he's quite chill. I feel like on. I feel like once or twice I've been a little bit couch locked, looking like that. <laughs> a going, little bit. Oh, oh. Like I feel good, but I don't feel like I could do too much. <laughs> I feel like I'm made out of a root vegetable. But where his root comes from is his little hat. So he's yeah. got like a, he's got like a little fez of root. He does. It's like a little jaunty beret. And this on his will head. be on our Instagram for I'll, you I'll to enjoy. I will do a special post 
uh, about all the turnip goodness. <laughs> what, have you, like, how long will this last? Because pumpkins deteriorate quite quickly. I imagine a sweet or a turnip would last a bit longer. They're a bit more of a hardy veg. I think he's going to be quite hardy. I must admit, though, it doesn't smell as good as a pumpkin. No, pumpkins are quite fragrant. Mm. Uh, especially when they've got a little tea light inside of them, burning them a little bit. You're like, oh, that well, smells sweet. Top tip, put an ever slight dusting of cinnamon on the lid. On the fleshy lid, so when it burns, you get pumpkin and cinnamon. Oh, pumpkin spice, baby! Smell, smell like a Starbucks. Oh. oh, have you been buying lots of Starbucks? No, I just um, sweetened my pumpkin. I sweetened my pumpkin, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I found, I think, because he was a Swede, he's a little bit softer, not that bad to carve. I normally find with pumpkins, I get halfway through and I go, oh, I'm bored of this now, nah, bloody hell. Oh, it's so boring, especially when you buy a huge one. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, I can do so much with it. <laughs> And you spent like two hours spooning out this <laughs> stringy, gross inside. And you're like, oh, why yeah. did I do this? And then you think, oh, I've got to wash these seeds and then I'm going to bake them because I don't want to waste all these seeds and yeah. stuff. You think, oh. But with Mr. Sweetie, it, it took quite, it was quite quick, actually. And it was sort of just right, just for just for me. Nice little hour activity. I would recommend. I, I would recommend. I, I mean, Swedes and turnips have very similar smells. They're quite an earthy kind of yeah, smell. Very so I can't earthy. imagine it's like... Oh, I love the smell of a bit of roasted turnip on the It was afternoon. it was a bit old people home. Yeah. It's very old people home a bit, actually. A bit umami. Yeah. A bit earthy. Yeah. But you know, I made I've made a nice um vegetable soup. Today. Oh nice. With the poor guy gets chopped up and chipped <laughs> in the soup. <laughs> no, isn't it? So that's my personal experience of a uh, carving a turnip. Go for it. Why not? It's it, you're Go more likely it. to get them. You know, like when you go, you're like, oh, I haven't carved a pumpkin mm. this year. And you go to Yazda and there's none left except for the really small, like half rotten oh, ones. Oh, God, yeah. And so you could just go get yourself a swede or a turnip yeah. and you could make a cute little guy that no one's going to... Like, sometimes, like, chavvy lads will, like, stamp on yes. pumpkins. You, yeah, can yeah. you imagine trying to stamp a swede to death? It oh, just never happens. It's too cute and small and but like, traditional. But, like, like, an egg is really strong from yes. top to bottom, like a tiny little strong swede. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, have you seen that video of the man who's absolutely arsehole? And it's like this pop I think he's northeast. You go, ah, Steve's trying to stand on an egg! And, this, and he's absolutely wasted. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he stands in it, he slips, and he just smacks his head off the floor. She goes, why'd you do that, Steve? And she's just killing herself laughing. It is so good. I... Because he, he actually does get his weight on it, doesn't he? And yeah. he's like, the guy with the camera, his mind is blown. <laughs> and then he just goes, and just flies over. Flat on his face. It That's... brings me so much joy. Whilst we're on the topic, I know a great video from the North East, which is spooky. Have you heard of Garlic and Chips? <laughs> that sounds tasty so it's this video which i don't know where it comes from i've just heard of it in passing it's a the whole backdrop is completely pitch black and in the very center of the video is like a ghoulishly white face of a guy completely off his nut i don't know if he's drunk i don't know if he's high but him and his mate have had garlic and chips <laughs> for their tea and he's like, he calls himself, he says, come a little closer. Are you comfortable? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, what's your name? He's like, Michael Jugson. <laughs> and he's like, what do you have for your tea, Michael? And he's like, garlic and chips. I got an extra 50s worth of garlic. And the guy's like, no, you didn't. He's like, I fucking did. I fucking did. Go ask him. <laughs> <laughs> but his his eyes are radiant. He's like yeah. he's looking at the camera as if it's telling him all the truths of the world. I mean, the power of garlic and chips, though. 
And he got That's an extra it. 50s worth of garlic. Got an extra 50, well, 50p. And at one point he goes, I know you didn't tell, I can smell it. <laughs> I can smell it from here. <laughs> and then as the video closes, he just goes, Your, my daddy tells me you do great tricks on the bike. <laughs> and then the guy is so disassociated from the conversation, he just carries on what he was saying before and goes, I fucking did. I fucking did. I fucking did. If you're saying that for weeks, I fucking did. It's though. quite the video. That sounds intense. I if love you it. want, if you want to laugh but also be afraid, I suggest you search garlic and chips or Michael Jugson. Michael garlic and chips. That's brilliant. Well, very spooky. Very spooky. I think we'll just conclude with a conclusion. Well, that makes sense. I mean, start at the I'd beginning. hate to conclude with an introduction. Oh, that would be nightmarish. That'd be nightmarish. That I mean, that's probably why I didn't get full marks on my dissertation, because I did everything backwards. <laughs> they wrote the whole thing backwards. Yeah, you have to flip through it from it's like... A, it's, it's a like piece a, of art. It's like a Japanese manga. You have to start from the back <laughs> and work your way forward. Yeah. There you go. Conceptual. Conceptual. Anyway. So, yeah. So, in conclusion, I'm going to say, go out, carve a turnip. It's way cheaper than a pumpkin. It was like 80p from M&S. Oh, my gosh. So from The like, nicest of sweets. I know. Yeah, I thought, well, it was just where well, that's what happened to be, because I'm... Uh. If you're now going to get a little pop-in for a little um, treat. Uh, you, you and Natty had gone in to get Me some... Me and Natty. <laughs> gone natty. in to get some biscuits for after tea. <laughs> I wanted some Percy Pigs. Oh, TBH. Yeah. Some spooky pigs, but yeah. And I mean, you know, we've got all our other traditional festivities of Samhain, which include bonfires, food and drinkers, bribes, dressing up, all come from traditional, the UK and Ireland, Samhain, wild nights, and I'll leave you with this. Close your eyes. Okay, all right. Okay, it's the 1700s. Okay. You've you've had turnip soup for the last two weeks. I've got dysentery. You've got dysentery. You're really dehydrated from the amount that's coming out of your arse. Oh, I can't trust the water source. And I'm all you've to got beer. is you've just wiping your bum with this linen cloth that the family share. Oh. It's grim, but it's Samhain. The veil is thin. You're going to have some of these exotic apples your cousin that's gone on his travels has brought back. Wow. Fresh fresh from the down south lands. Oh my these goodness. Apples, so the far juicy. known land of Devon. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it took him took him months to walk there. <laughs> he brought them back as a special treat. Horses existed in the 1700s. <laughs> well, quite poor. You had to just walk on your hands and knees as well. Oh, poor lad. Oh, I know. It's pretty shocking, but it's party time. I'm enjoying this apple. Oh, this is so sweet and crunchy. Mm. You're carving out your turnip. You don't want them ghouls going to come and get you because you've got. A, a sort of chill hibernation of winter coming up. The country is pitch bloody dark. You can't see jack shit. You can't see jack shit apart from coming over the hill. What's that? Is it a monster? No. It's your pals coming with their little carved turnips. And oh. you're going to go out and get some little drinks and foods and have a little party and then set fire. You're going to have a wild night and you're going to set fire to the town's church. Oh, my God. By accident. This is a, this is a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be scary. Then it was friendly and jovial. And now I'm committing arson. Now <laughs> you're committing arson. And that was, um, yeah, that's... In, and you wake up and you go, but the turnip turns to you on your side table and it whispers to you how could you how could you you forever roam the eternal darkness with stingy jack and then everything turns black and then your legs fall off wow so that's it's quite a series of events (laughs) 
Can I open my eyes now? Yeah, yeah, go on. Whoa, whoa, I'm back in the room. Back in the room. I just lost my legs to dysentery. <laughs> it's pretty grim. <laughs> and a, case and a speaking turnip. <laughs> speaking turnip. But the, the main thing is, it just just remember, think about how bloody dark the countryside was yeah. before electricity. Oh, yeah. So these lanterns, how powerful, how cool. Well, to be fair, um, Gabby's grandparents live sort of West Country Way. Oh yeah. And if you if you go down there, there is very little light pollution. Mm. You just have to walk two minutes from their house, and it's pitch black. And it's really quite nice, actually. Yeah. I think perhaps if I lived in it all the time, I wouldn't appreciate the contrast. Yes. But being able to just walk out and be like, I can't hear anything. I can't see anything. <sighs> this is great. And your eyes start to adjust, and you start to notice like owls and stuff and oh, bats. Oh, it's really amazing. nice. Amazing. Seen the Milky Way, manner. Something cool. Oh, well, I always try to navigate with the stars, but I'm rubbish at it. <laughs> well, no, unless you're doing it every night on your fisherman ship. Well, fishing so, boat. so I can usually I can usually recognise the plough or the Big Dipper. Oh, Big and Dipper, then, yeah. Well, the, the same thing. It's just the Big Dipper is the American name for it. Plough yeah. is the British name for it. And the then Agriculture and then, Society. I know. I'm sorry. Like, well, you should be sorry. <gasps> I, you knew it was Big Dipper. And then you do shameful. you do the L shape with your hand mm. and you align your you line your right finger, your index finger, mm. you align that to the straightest line of the plough mm. and your thumb points to the North Star. Oh. That's, I think that's how it works, but I, I've only done it correctly once or twice. And I've nice. been like, oh my God, I did it! Well, Moana over here. I know. Guided by the stars, I love it. I'm going to try that. Um, well, probably not in Carlisle. Well, I, I if I want to do it in Carlisle, I just go on a little walk away from... That or in, onto like a field where there's yeah. just enough lack of light pollution. Nice, nice, nice. Well, that's it for me for carving vegetables. Okay, well, should we put down our carving utensils and just have a quick trip to the pub <sighs> quick, before I quick give nash. my share? I'm going to nash off. Uh, we've burnt down the church, but there's some, still some Samhain festivities to be had. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Oh, bloody hell. I'm covered in soot from burning down the local I'm church. B, I've got straw coming out my hair. I've got turnip juice down my leg. Ugh. I mean, I need to put on some ghoulish um, outerwear to not only hide the evidence, but as we're going into the straw-thatched um, hut uh, <laughs> that is the tavern, we're going to like a sort of a bit like the sort of hobbity tavern... And we're going to have... Some oh, where the, where the, the wraiths are going to come in and try and oh find us. Oh, my goodness. Very spooks. But fortunately, Viggo Mortensen is going to wrap us up in his nice, big, strong arms and yes, he's going to keep it, us nice. In his uh, bedroom that he corrals us to. <laughs> if I, I remember that say, scene correctly. That is also very They true. wade through, like, knee-high mud only to get a corral to... I mean, how old is his character? He's hundreds of years old, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he's older than you think. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, like, half-elf so or something. So they, they get... Corralled to a pensioner's room in an inn. <laughs> <laughs> These three young adolescent hobbits. Oh, oh no, well, Ho- uh, Frodo's quite old in the book. Oh, is he? Okay. He's not as, as youthful as he is. Well, I, I should make it clear, listeners, that we don't plan these. Like, we just say, we're at the pub. We're at the pub. Where's the pub? It's and like an improv session. Whoever says something first, <laughs> we go from there. So, I mean, I've just been next to the hobbits as they ordered pints of beer. Oh, that's the famous line, isn't it? pints. They come in pints, despite the fact that they've got a tankard, which definitely holds like two pints. Do you know, that was me when I went... I went to Manchester MEN with some folk and we discovered that they serve two pints. And we were like the hobbits going, it comes in two pints, these giant F-off well, plastic you know what, cups. Do you know what blew <gasps> my mind? 
when we were just graduating university, mm. Katie invited me on to a bowling excursion oh, uh, with a few friends. Yeah. And I have never got so drunk doing a sport in my life. <laughs> you could order pitchers full of beer, which could contain three pints at a time. Oh, no, it was more than three pints. Do you think it was it more? It was like I was ordering, eight pints. I was ordering pitchers of San Miguel for myself. The, 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 the pitchers at the bowling alley are... Seriously ridiculous. They're amazing though. And they're really good. I love the money. concept. But then, just to make it worse, I swear I think I'd had about a picture and a half at this point. And then our astute friend Megan, who is almost certainly listening in her car, ordered a <gasps> hot beep. dog. And I have never seen such a terrible looking piece of oh. food. I don't know if you remember, but it was hot dog and chips. And the the person who served it to her brought it from like an alleyway next to the bowling alley. Like <laughs> Um, you know, like the alleys that you bowl down. Well, on the right-hand side, there was like a service corridor to get behind to fix them. But, the, oh, but right, the, yeah. the guy walked down that with this plate, and I was jokingly saying to her, like, "That's going to be your tea," thinking that was just him coming from like the yeah, the, the, yeah. the engineering section to wash it up. And he came and put it down and said, oh. "Do you want any sauce?" And I was like. Oh my god, like where has that come from? <laughs> but what more do you need after a pitch of beer than some just some chips and shitty sausage though? Oh, I just I feel like that sausage just could have been one of his digits. Oh like it was just There was, was no like, meat in that. It was so wrinkled and microwave, oh, I couldn't believe it. Oh lord. So we've we've got some big off f off pitches we, in this tavern. Yes, we've now kind of merged the tavern with a bowling alley. Haven't uh, we? Do you know it's ye oldie uh, ye oldie bowling? They've got like these wooden Bulls. pegs. Bulls. Oh, bit of botcher as well, bit of botcher. And we've Wait, got some, what's botcher? Botcher. Well, botcher is another word for bulls, but it's also a, an Olympic recognised um, version of bulls for those. Uh, who may be wheelchair users or have other forms of disabilities. Ah, okay. Special for summer bulls. You've got different rules. <laughs> different rules. <laughs> rules for the bulls. Rules for the bulls. Bit of butcher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> used to be, I used to help out on the uh, Heathlands butcher team. Oh, yeah, check yeah, you out. Yeah, we had a little ramp section. I well, was on the ramp section, yeah. I own a game called Mjolki. Oh, have you heard of Mjolki? That sounds fun. It sounds like a type of milk. It's not. Uh, so oh. it, you organise a, a range of sticks like Skittles oh. and then you throw a stick at the, oh. at the sticks and they have numbers on the underneath and you don't look at the numbers when you set it up and you have to achieve a certain score. Oh. I'm still yet to play it. My uncle bought it for me and I, was, I think it's great, but I never, I never like, when we're going out to the lakes for a picnic, I never oh. think, bring the Mjolki! Oh, be it's, great fun. Pack up the Mjolki! I also got into a love of bulls from being in France. Ah. And they always have those little sandy pits in yes. in town and city centres in France. And nice. I have, on a number of occasions, thrown a bull straight onto some dog turd and splattered it oh. everywhere. Not not even on purpose, just not realising it was in the playfield. Dearie me. You look, I'm surprised they let you back in France after that, <laughs> ruining the bulls. Well, it was more the dog poo that ruined it. It was less than... It was less me, myself... Me, myself, and dog poo. <laughs> no, I think it was you. You, you. you can't come to the bulls pit unless you know what you're doing. Well, the, one of the famous occasions was I was, I 
borrowed them from we, we used to do a lot of camping holidays and we used to mm. go to Eurocamp yes, places yes Eurocamper and you, you they always had like these huts where you could rent various things from like ping pong bats and yes tennis. and I had I had rented the bulls on my own to play on my own oh. and they were like multicoloured yes and I had thrown one of them directly in this dog crap by accident and I tried I was washing it off in a tap but because it had like ridges in it it still had like bits of poo in it and I was so embarrassed to like a borrow bulls on my own, <laughs> and then B return them back covered in dog shit. Sorry, miss. <laughs> Do you know that has hit me deep in the nostalgia? Because we did Euro Camper a lot. We did a lot of camping in France. Yeah. And um, I had like it's like a black. It's almost like what you get cans of beer in that netting, that multicolored yeah, bulls yeah, 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 set. Yeah. I can picture it now. Yeah. Well, I that's can kind of what I now. borrowed. It had like the Euro Camp logo on it. I can picture oh. it now. That's hit me deep in this. I'm gonna have to have a big swig of ale to like get myself over. Well, what what are we drinking in well, this pub? Well, I've got a very spooky. I'm terrified because he's got a big shiny axe and he's. I was this hobgoblin, very spooky beer. You've got very spooky beer as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've got. Nuki Brown ale. Nuki Brown. What are we doing, my dear? That's scary business, that mate. It's well known that my Geordie accent is <laughs> god awful. I think we've just had seen the evidence. Um. Before we close in the pub today, I want to tell you a story about Hobgoblin. Oh. Uh, a close friend of mine went on his first date with his current partner. Mm. They've been together for like a couple of years now. Oh. Um, and when he went to the bar, the guy said to him, Hobgoblin for you. And he just was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? He was like, I I I'll have a punk IPA, please. And then, <laughs> then it and he was like, and I'll get a drink for my date. And he was like, Hobgoblin. And he was like, no, I don't want any Hobgoblin. Don't, want, don't push the Hobgoblin on me. And we were like, they must have been like, what's going on? Like, why yeah. Why am I being offered it? And then they stayed. They were the last people there. And the guy brought over two free Hobgoblins for them. Oh. And, he was, and he was like, Hobgoblin for you? <laughs> and Harry was like, what? Why do, you, why do you keep offering me these? And the guy never said. And he came back to work the next day and told me. And we, mm. we laughed about it for ages. And we were working near a uh, supermarket mm. and we'd gone there to get some lunch and in the doorway to the supermarket was this heavily reduced hobgoblin, like oh. two days worth left on the date. Yes. So this, this restaurant slash bar owner must have just gone and bought loads of it and realised absolutely nobody wanted it, was desperately trying to shill oh, it off on everyone. Trying to shift the hobgoblin. <laughs> but every now and then, anytime we see it, we're like, hobgoblin for you? Hobgoblin it was, for you? it was so presumptuous. Like <laughs> He hadn't even made an order yet. It was just hobgoblin for you. Hobgoblin for you. I think that bartender was an actual hobgoblin. It's possible, isn't it? I Trying to that, sell his wares. I think that was an actual And, and if you had said yes, he'd be like, you own me now. He'd do a little dance and a skip. <laughs> and and take, be... take a gold coin from your pocket and dance away into the night. But pop it into his little leather pouch he has. <laughs> I have the coin. I have the coin to travel to the fair meadow land. <laughs> I have stolen from Penrith. I will bid you adieu. <laughs> well, I think we better not talk about hobgoblins too loud in this medieval tavern because mm. I think there's one in the corner over there and he's just got his scythe out. Oh. So I think we better hot foot it to the next to the village over. It'll take us a couple of days, but we'll, we'll be th- we'll be thirsty by the okay. <laughs> by the let's, time of it. Let's go quick. Let's go quick. There's I'm going. Oh, run away! <laughs> oh, he's got me! He's got my leg! Oh, oh go without me, Vinny! Go without me! I'd already left. Hello, Ooh. welcome back from the pub. Shoo-wee, that was a wild rollercoaster. I thought you were time. dead. 
I did as well. I mean, my physical form is, but I'm here in spirit. That's all right. That's all I need. As long as the spirit can speak, that's all I need. There you go. Speaking here and (laughs) Your body can rot by the roadside for all I care. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want want to take you down the spooky corridor of haunted paintings. Do I need to put some special slippers on? Yeah. Um, you know, like Wee Willy Winkies, where they have like a curl at the oh end? Oh, my God. The little if bell. you could, yeah. If you could if you could get some slippers that have like a really sort of Dutch-style curve at oh, the end. God, I would love a pair of them. Yeah, I think you would really rock a pair of those. I, but they must be so hard to get your toes in, like... Do you just have them extra long? But my feet are always too hot, so... Yeah, my feet are... I'm very much a warm-footed person. Always barefoot. Do you know, the dream is, just to quickly derail, is to have a kitchen where it's like proper slate flooring so that stays cold. super cold. Ooh. <gasps> I, oh. I like stone flooring most... In summer, it's great. Mm. But like in winter, if your feet are really warm and the difference between, like just getting out of bed, that's not it for me. It's too much. Get some nice fluffy slippers on. Get yeah. Your, anyway, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Half an hour about slippers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you the little uh, intro I've written for this. Ooh. Paintings capture a moment in time through pigment and canvas, but this isn't always a blessing. <gasps> oh, we got the shivers. So what I want to go into is urban legends mm. um, and the idea of haunted paintings, Ooh. specifically around the internet. Ah, um, we love a bit of spookiness on the internet. Spookiness. Too spooky for me. Too spooky for me. Too spooky for me. <laughs> so a lot of this is going to be like hysteria. And some of them predate <laughs> um, the internet. But um, a lot of it is based around urban legends, things like mm. that. So, I mean, I think, I think it comes from because paintings are such a traditional form of capturing imagery. Mm. So when the internet comes about and you can share images easily and you're anonymous, there is this great desire to find something that looks weird and be like, it's spooky! Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, like, it's so easy to do. Like, even now, look at the disinformation we have about COVID, about Trump's campaign. You just attach that to a painting that looks creepy and you can win a swathe of people over that. It's haunted. Well, it's all, like, creepypasta sort of stuff. Well, I was going to say creepypasta, but I don't know how well-known that as a term is. I think within our generation who grew up with the internet, yes. I mean, creepy pasta, what's... I mean, it's like, what, like creepy paste or something. It's yeah, so so from. it comes from copy pasta, which just That's means it. to directly copy something from someone else, mm. which comes from the words copy and paste. But they just call it copy pasta because it's like, it's made up, it's a meal of words, it's a copy pasta. And then creepy pasta comes from that. It's the creepiness. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's and just it's just like... it's sp- Yeah, it's, it's like a... It's like the opposite of a meme, where a meme is like hilarity, like <laughs> copy pasta is like scary. But you can also meme some creepy pasta. Yeah, you definitely can. So I'm going to tell you about the first one called <gasps> the Anguished Man. The Anguished Man. That the sounds Anguished Man. Like he's not having a good time already. He's not. Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, it is probably the the visually scariest of the three. Yeah. So I'm going to share the image with you now. Good lord. So can you see that on my screen there? Uh, an angle. An I angle. feel like I'm in the... Do you mean you sat in the living room when you get plopped? Oh, there we go. Can we see that? Oh. So, this is this is the anguished man. And it I'm gonna I'm going to lean into the, the visuals of it a bit more in a minute. But I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to give you a bit of background. So, I it's owned by a man called Sean Robinson. Um, mm. He is... He has a YouTube channel and he is quite famously known for being the owner. 
Uh-huh. And I think this is going to play a little bit into the history of it. Just, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. So it's... I, I think it looks like um, the Radiohead cover from The Benz, yes. which you also have visual reference to just there. It's <laughs> yeah. that t- that's test dummy. I think it just, it, it's a bit, just a bit creepy. Like, so I'll, I'll try and describe it to you. There's, there's a dark, heavy textured blue background mm. and it's layered and sort of almost like when uh, copper starts to rust, it comes away in flakes. Yeah. It looks a bit flaky to me. And then just off center is an abstraction of a man, I would say. And he's bright red and orange with just holes for eyes and a mouth, no real defined nose, Mm. and he's sort of screaming almost, would you say? Yeah, oh, he's definitely going... Well, he's in in deep, deep, deep anguish going... Yeah, I thought it was a little bit... If you kind of crossed Radiohead's The Bends with uh, Voldemort... You yes. can you kind of get this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is very haunting to like. It's not. I'd never hang that up. Oh my goodness! Above your bed. Yeah, it'd something. be. It's horrendous. Like there's just a sort of emotion of fear captured in it, isn't it? There's just enough sort of humanity, but also void. I can't take my eyes away from yeah, it. Yeah, it's be really, it's really hauntingly sort of drawing you yeah, in, isn't it? it and you in. like the all three of the ones that I'm going to share with you today are like that. They're yeah. all quite. Um, well, just weird. Like, I don't have any <laughs> explanation for it further than that, other than just they're terrifying. It's a bit like, what's his... Oh, what was his fellow who did the the face like that and it sort of goes up, whooshes upwards? Um, oh, so I'm going to I'm gonna get to that. Oh, Francis Bacon. Yes. Yes. So it is... A, it, it's, it's, a lot of people have said it's like Francis Bacon. Some people think it's like Edward Munch, mm. who famously did the screaming face Ooh. with the hands... Um, but a lot of people think he just did that on drugs and wasn't actually afraid of anything. It's yeah. just his perspective was being warped. So um, there isn't that much known about this artwork. Mm. The only information source we have is its owner, Sean Robinson, who has a YouTube channel that makes videos about it. So that there's a little bit of distrust there already. Yeah, um, pinch of salt. The, the, a few things you might not have noticed. The, the figure in the painting has no facial hair at all. There's no mm. eyebrows, there's no hair. There is a nub of an ear, but other than that, there's no real defined features. Like, Ooh. there's no eyeballs, even though it, you might yeah. think you might have seen some. There's no teeth. It's just sort of holes on a face. Yeah. Which is kind of creepy when you think about it. A bit it. like a turnip carving. A little bit like a turnip carving. <laughs> if perhaps the turnip had been carved by someone very aggressively with like... You know, there's yes. um, those additions you can put on drills. For oh, those drilling. drill bits. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah, drill yeah, pipe, yeah. pipe holes through walls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it reminds me a bit of a like a Burns victim when you said about yeah. having no facial hair and little nubs for I think ears. He does look like he's burning or in, uh, yeah. in pain like that. And I think that's part of the fear that leads into if it was just skin tone, I don't think it would be as scary. Mm. It almost when I look at it, it looks like perhaps what someone tormented in hell might look like. Oh, Do you know yeah. what I mean? And and the palette is really strange. Like the skin tone is orange and red, which would make you think like perhaps they're burning, perhaps mm. on fire. But the background is blue which is quite a calming colour. So it's like, I don't know where to draw the line with it. It's really strange. It's a big contrast, blue and orange, isn't it? Mm. Quite a commonly used colour contrast. Now, can I tell you about the curse of this painting? Oh, please. As long as it doesn't curse us. Well, I hope it won't. I've broken down all three of these into the history, the composition, the curse, the truth, and the mystery. Oh, wow. So we're on the curse. Um, According to Robinson, 
who claims to have inherited the painting from his grandmother, the artist who created the painting allegedly mixed his own blood into the paint and died by suicide soon after finishing its work. Oof. Yeah, pretty full on. That's, yeah, that's an intense painting. Um, even if this isn't a factual account of events, it's still like scary enough, like the idea that he would put his own blood into it. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that he would commit suicide after committing it, mm. which, which adds to the fear. It adds to the, yeah. the horror of it. I think, I think there's something about that sort of blood as well. You think, ooh. Ooh, why would you put blood in the paint? I think, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the use of, I mean, that would be quite an interesting thing to explore is use of blood well, um, in art. Turner, I'm a big fan of J.M.W. Mm. Turner. Um, he put a lot of his biomatter <laughs> into paintings. What sort of biomatter? Um, anything that would create the pigment he was looking for, oh, actually. Okay. Um, there were periods of times where he had no money, so he would use bodily fluids to make colours, mm. such as semen for ivory. Nice. Yes. When you said bodily matter, I immediately went to he's just jizzing on his paints. And he, he, he would use um, his wee for thinning of oil paints as well. Oh, they used we all the time. Do you want a tweed suit? Oh, I'll just piano it. Yeah, it'll be fine. fine. Starch it. Just a bit of wee in it. <laughs> I think Francis Bacon used to put his spit into paintings as well. I can imagine him doing it. Yeah. I can imagine uh, him doing it. And Lucien Freud famously did it as well. Yeah. I think Lucien Freud bodily yeah, fluids. Definitely. You know, definitely. Oh, look at that. So let me tell you a bit a little bit of truth of this. Yeah. I've, I've already alluded to a little bit. Um he, the owner, Sean, claims that various paranormal media productions have rated it as one of the top five haunted items Ooh, in the world. Ooh, that's quite an honour. That is quite an honour. But he is also represented by a company called Labre Pictures, who are making a, a film, at least five years ago they started making a film mm. about this painting, which is a little bit suspect. Yeah. Even mm. more suspect is that there is no source that I can find or anyone else can find that says where this painting was done, who it was by, and the day oh. other than what Sean Robinson has released. Oh, I see. So I get the feeling perhaps Sean Robinson painted this painting yeah. and wanted to make something bigger out of it, perhaps score a movie franchise <gasps> through a production company and make a lot of money. I mean, you can make top dollar just out of YouTube, let alone exactly. a movie franchise. Um, so, but here's the mystery. <gasps> Ooh. Here is... The mystery. The, mis the voice of the Mr. Ones. So over the past couple of years, people have seen this painting for sale in various different places. Mm. It's been for sale on eBay. It's been for sale in actual auctions. But the owner of it claims that it's never been for sale. Ooh. He claims that he's never tried to sell it. He's never given it to anyone to sell. And he still has ownership of it. And I have a quote from him here um, denouncing all the other sales. I can guarantee you that the original haunted painting is locked away in a secure location and I have no intentions of selling it. That could be dangerous and it would not be wise for anyone to lay their hands on this painting because it's really active and really strange things happen for people who are in the same room or even the same house with this painting. Ooh. That, was a, that, that wasn't me like speaking poorly. That is a direct quote of him. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think his English is great, but that's okay. That's okay. But... That's the mystery. That is the mystery. It's Having it, I mean, up. you wouldn't if if you want to go on our Instagram and have a look at the pictures of these paintings, they will be on there for you to look at. They certainly will. Um, but uh, you wouldn't put this in your house anyway. It is so grotesque. Mm. I can imagine people copying it 
and then putting it up for auction. Yeah. To keep the myth going. Maybe. But none of none of these sales have gone through. They've all been cancelled. Oh, all... really? Yeah. And I think perhaps maybe it's Sean Robinson trying to draw more uh, attention to his painting. Sean Robinson, what are you playing at? I think when you look at it from a broader perspective, it's kind of clear. That it's a scary painting. It's scary looking, mm. but the actual hype around it has been built by one person on a mission. Yeah, and if he's done it, well done to him. Yeah, I suppose credit credit where credit's due. I suppose all spookiness has, has come from some sort of form of fiction, almost. Right, we're on to the next painting now. <gasps> the crying boy. Oh, the crying boy. That's spookier than kids. Uh, if you can hear bangs and pops, by the way, there's fireworks going off oh, just down the street. I th- well, you put your hand down and I thought you just rattled Boom. the chair majorly or something. Um, we've ordered moths and fireworks for this. Ec- moths for this <laughs> really, we've got this really podcast. full out. With I'm, I'm going to go special. down there and be like, I'm recording a podcast. Can you stop there in your fireworks? Do your Catherine wheels. Do your <laughs> Catherine wheels. And then release the crows. <laughs> Will you shut up? I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> So I'm going to give you a bit of history on The Crying Boy. So an artist born in 1911 called Bruno Amadeo, I would say. Amadeus, Amadeus. (laughs) Sorry. Rock me, Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. Um, He was an Italian (laughs) painter and he created um, artworks for mass production. Ah. Um, You'll have seen a couple of, you know that kind of painting that you get where it's obviously a print, but they've... Uh, try to m- print it in a way that makes it look like a painting. Yes, you get them in vin- you get them in vintage shops all the time. Yes, uh, and they're always the same. So you know, it's like a busty woman, or it's a, an Asian woman, and it's called like Oriental figure, <laughs> which might as well just say now very out of date terminology. <laughs> um, so he created many artworks for um, mass production. But the one which caused the most stir was a series of paintings of crying children. Ooh. But one in particular called The Crying Boy was a very popular seller for um, the elderly. Um, as you would imagine, elderly people yeah. love buying oh, weird, creepy stuff, don't give they? Give me that crying child's painting. <laughs> it's, it's so strange. So I'm, I'm going to get this up on screen to show you. Perfect for a bungalow. Smelling the turnips. Exactly. So here we have The Crying Boy. So... Dead center of the frame. It's a very dark painting. It's very darkly mm. lit. Uh, dead center is a sort of choppily haired boy looking down frame with like welled up eyes and tears down both his cheeks. Uh. It's quite well painted. He looks like it's sort of oldie timey, like an old old yeah. style clothing, and he's got some braces on. But he just he looks mortified. Doesn't look happy at all, does he? He look he looks like he's gonna throw a bit of a tantrum as well. Yeah, but it, but. I think the reason why this caught on of being haunted is that the look is kind of sinister. He's not crying as if to say, like, I'm upset. He's looking directly at the viewer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the more I look at it, I mean, the, the eyes... Are the just eyes are very... Pitch black voids of hate, yeah. actually. And, like, half his face is shadowed off the side of the image. And I think mm. that adds to it. He's very much... Um, clothed by the darkness like he's very he's like he's very shadowed and the area that's in light this right hand eye of his technically is left if you're the yeah the person in the painting it's very lit and you're you're very much looking at this tear coming down his cheek it looks as if he's trying to exact revenge almost it looks a bit like you know sort of the omen child sort of he's going to make something fly up into the air and chop your head off yeah it does it really does look like that doesn't it so um the the palette is really dark. Like 
Even, yeah. And these were popular paintings. These were people to just pick up and just put in the house. Like <laughs> they'd the be wall. like a couple of quid, and you'd stick them on stick Lovely. them in your house. But I would like to tell you about the curse. The curse. I so feel cursed. I, I'm going to tell you about a very reputable news source as well. That that was um, the firework for the reputable news source. <laughs> um, on the fifth of September, nineteen eighty-five, reputable news source, The Sun, The Sun, <laughs> re- oh my reported that gosh. an Essex firefighter claimed that undamaged copies of the painting were frequently found amidst house fires. Ooh, um, a series of house fires had been happening because of a certain un- unstable building material, not unlike um, the tragedy of Grenfell, mm. um, just an unsafe material that shouldn't have been in buildings. But they were finding when they got through the wreckage of these properties that these paintings were left face down, untouched. Oh, that's spooky. That is spooky, isn't that's it? That's spooky. Now, that is really weird. And the son, liking a good story, <laughs> um, really pushed this hysteria. Yeah. Um, and for anybody that's listening that doesn't know the son, perhaps you're from a different country, um, it's a tabloid that is so famous for being shit and bad that yeah. it can't, you legally can't purchase it anywhere in Liverpool because they blamed um, a, a tragic disaster which had multiple deaths on the football fans of a football team. Google uh, Hills, Hillsborough disaster. Yeah, if you I didn't know more about that. Yeah, the Hillsborough disaster. They blamed it on the fans when it was a um, police cover up, and they—that isn't even the worst that they've done. Oh, I mean, it's a long line of terrible, terrible things. So it's done. worth noting that we take it with a pinch of salt that the the sun were the leading <laughs> drive on this. Not only, again, there's a lot of salt in these. Not only. Um, did they report on this? But they also organised a mass burning of these paintings, what? where you could send your painting to them, and they would organise a mass burning, what? and they would dispose of your painting for you. Ooh. I don't know how they got to this conclusion because if they could survive a house fire untouched, I don't know how they assumed that they would be the right bodies to dispose of haunted paintings. <laughs> Flipping heck, where are they going to do it in the middle of the office, <laughs> the newsroom? I don't know. I don't know what the idea was. <laughs> I think it was all just, what can we do to sell more papers? Let's drive up the hysteria. <laughs> but even still, like the idea that these paintings were legitimately coming mm. out of house fires untouched is quite impressive. Yeah. Now, can I tell you about the truth? Give me the truth. The cold, hard truth. Now, a writer and comedian called Stephen Punt produced a, a radio show for Cham, uh, for BBC Radio 4. Mm. And he was looking into mysteries and things like this. And he researched this crying boy phenomena. And the, the outcome and the reason why these, um, these paintings were left untouched is quite actually very impressive. So... Um, Working with um, a laboratory to test these, mm. it turns out the reason why they were finding these untouched is when the house would go on fire, the first thing to burn of these paintings would be the string keeping it on the wall, which would make it fall oh, to the floor. Face forward. But also, sometimes the frames were burnt, and you think, well, why is the painting not burnt? The way that they emulated the, um, the print to make it look like paint... They used a varnish on it that was fire retardant. Ah, there so you go. So what was happening was, is they were soaking this paper in a fire retardant varnish to make it feel like a painting, to give it layers. There you go. So Textured what, paper. And it being face down meant that no oxygen could get to it, meaning that the fire couldn't get underneath it anyway, yes. protecting it further. <gasps> I That's, think that is a big stamp saying myth busted. But wait, would you like to hear the mystery? Oh no, there's a twist. There, there is a twist. Let's twist again. 
<laughs> Come on, let's find out this information. Like we did last <laughs> summer. So an investigative journalist Ooh. called David Clark Shout out. Um, had looked into this further, but earlier than when Stephen Punt had been mm. researching. And some people had been referring to this child with the menacing stare as Don Bonilo. Don Or, or Diablo. <gasps> and there was apparently... The, these paintings related to several fires in the painter's studio. Flippin' heck. The production of these paintings coincided with several fires in the painter's studio. Ooh. So maybe they are haunted. Oh, and house fires. Ooh. What is it with fire and this small crying child? Icky, icky, icky. Very scary. It looks like he'd, he'd play with matches and he does, doesn't on he? purpose. But Do before we move shit. on, however... It is said that there is absolutely no truth to any of these oh. claims. I just wanted to take you on that roller coaster. Oh, the ups and the lows. I'm <laughs> going to believe it, though. I've decided, despite not liking the sun, I'm going to still believe it just because I mean, the crack. If, if it hadn't been researched and people didn't know better, that is a really feel like, why didn't they burn? It's a house fire. Yeah. Everything gets demolished in a house fire. Now, I want to move on to the third and final painting. <gasps> I've got a little bit more material for this one. The spookiest. It's, it's colloquially known as eBay haunted painting. <laughs> 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 nothing spookier than eBay. Well, no, nothing is spookier than eBay. eBay haunted painting. Does, is it like, oh my word. Oh, you've just got a little snippet of it there. Um, so, <laughs> so this is a painting that was actually originally listed as eBay haunted painting. Yes. That is how the people listed it that was oh, selling it. Oh, I love eBay listing. You, you sort of, you buy scissors and it says, scissors, cutting, craft, art, supplies, tool, scissors. Yeah. Best scissors, top scissors. It's like hashtag. Craft making. Craft making. Useful for bags. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're, they're just trying to catch every little bit of SEO yeah, they can. Yeah. So, I mean, but this was, this was listed in 2000. So this is oh that's this old is before, school yeah this is before eBay properly took off so it seems strange to list eBay in the title of an eBay listing yeah but the sellers weren't very um, tech aware mm. as I'll explain so this is quite an infamous painting this is the most famous of the three yeah um, actually titled the hands resist him oh now God, that is a it. that is a scary title that's a bit sort of uh, the Lord is gonna save you. Yeah, in all the wrong like ways. the previous two we've spoken about, um, their titles are just colloquial titles that have been yeah. given to them. This is the actual title of this. Uh, oh, artist given. Yeah, this right. is the actual title. So, this this had a huge amount of like hysteria around it yeah. on the internet. So in two thousand, it was listed as eBay haunted painting, and the, I mean. Just listing it as that gives is gonna have people like I think the page had over like thirty thousand views, which wow. is massive. In two thousand. In, in two thousand. Yeah, that's for, e huge. for an eBay listing as well. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it's it's absolutely massive. So let's let's just talk about the painting for a minute. I've got a little depiction of it here. So um, there's more of the image than what Katie can see here, but right. it's just focusing in on the um, on the main sections here. Mm. Maybe I will just quickly pull up. The full whack. Yes. Give us your full whack. Here we go. Here's the full whack. Oh, it's so tiny. Oh, tiny so, dancer. The full painting is a just off center, both both horizontally and vertically. There's a young boy in some like neat shorts, knee high socks, and little shoes, and a 
bright aqua blue shirt. Mm. He's got a sort of military style haircut and he's staring directly at the viewer again. Yeah, again, very intense, um, dark. He sort of glare. stood on a porch, I would say. Yeah, windowsilly. Uh, yeah, and behind doorway. him is like an old Victorian glass pane door mm. where it's split into multiple compartments. Uh, next to him is a life-size pop doll wearing like a dress and almost very similarly dressed to him, looking directly at him with, I should note, no eyes at all. Oh my word, that's a doll. Just, I mean, from, from a distance, it looks like sort of a young girl. Yes, but it is a pot doll oh with a manoeuvrable jawline <gasps> for like... Um, like ventriloquism. Yeah. Ooh, and it's got very no, spooky ventriloquism. No eyes at all. Um, you may also notice she's holding something in her hand. I, I will tell from this I'll, distance. I will explain what that is later. But what we're missing here is behind him in this um, painting... It, the whole door is blacked out, and at the very top of the panes is the reflection of the moon. But at level with him are multiple hands pressing against the glass. Oh, my word. Is that what that is? Yeah, there's probably, I don't know, maybe ten pairs of hands. Gordon Bennett. But you'll notice on his, on his left elbow, one of the hands is in front of the door. Oh Can you see goodness. that there? My, it's it's my distance vision just across from this desk space. You might need to zoom in for me, please. Pal. Okay, I will zoom in for you. He is stood in front of the door, and there are multiple hands behind him. Oh, I see but them now. One of them is in front of the door. I can't see. Oh, oh yes. There's a lot of acrobatics going on here. <laughs> and a lot of equipment. It's um, it's pretty spooky. The, is one of the hands holding fire? Uh, like I don't, a little ball of flames? I don't think so, unless I'm missing it. That's what it looks like from this distance uh, anyway. Okay. Well, one of the things I want to focus on here is how the, the, the main character of this painting, the boy, is looking directly at the viewer because there's some quite concerning stuff going on behind him. Yeah, he didn't seem aware he or seems, phased. He seems abstracted from it. His palette is much brighter than the rest. Mm. Um, everything going on around him is quite you know, typically spooky. But he seems very sort of mid-century Americana. Like he, you know, he seems quite straightforward. Going to play a bit of football. And I think, I think what's really spooky about it is the contrast, these harsh blacks, these decrepit hands, this pop doll. Mm. Um, And then it's him being unfazed almost as if he's in control of this, as if this is (gasps) his reality almost. He's bringing the demons to life Mm. to come and get you. It's it's very apathetic, isn't it? He's sort of mm. staring as if he doesn't care what's going on around him, as if he's made peace with it almost. Oh, but there's also... I think there's a slight sort of frowny... He's sort of uneasy, isn't he? he yeah, he's sort of... Mm, he's he, sort of... It feels like he's almost got a, ever so slight smirk. Well, yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? It's very arresting. There's a, there's a lot going on. Again, sort of... You, and the eyes are so, like... Sort of the, the sun must be from above. Yes, it is. It's um, very top lit, isn't it? He's got a heavy shadow under his chin. Yeah. He's got very furrowed brows with heavy shadows on those. Um, Drawing me in. And you may notice that the light source on him doesn't seem to apply to the rest of the environment. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pot, pot doll's just sort of like, just it's, chilling. She's, she's sort of in a different area of lighting and the door itself is completely blacked out and is mm. reflecting the moon, which yeah. would suggest there's no uh, natural light source yes. at all. But the hands are still... The hands are still visible through yeah. So it's quite weird. Um, I'm going to give you the listing here. This is what the, the people selling art on eBay have okay, put in on. the listing. Warning. 
do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related disease, oh. faint of heart, or unfamiliar with supernatural events. Oh. By bidding on this painting, you agree to release the owners of all liability in relation to the sale or any events happening after that sale that might be contributed to this painting. This painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. However, by bidding, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard to the last two photos featured in this auction and hold the owners harmless to them and their impact expressed or implied. Oh. So, whereas in the last one, I thought this this anguished man was being uh, cycled up to, to be scarier mm. than it really is, it, the way this is written sounds like the owners are quite concerned. It seems a lot, it seems a lot more serious and not sort of, oh, lol, dead spooky, whoa. It's like, watch out. If mm-hmm. you want it, watch out. Well, the original owner of this painting um, was th- an actor in The Godfather, actually. Oh. Um, he'd purchased it from a gallery years ago in the 70s. And when he had died, it had gone through a number of hands, finding its way to this couple in California who didn't realise they owned it. It had just been in a property that they owned. Oh, I see. And um, after being scared by it, they've never given a press release for it or anything like that, they decided to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, and... You feel like they've just give it away, but they were going to sell it um, because I think it was actually quite, you know, it is quite well painted from what I can tell. Mm. So maybe they saw it as a piece of art. Now, I've already told you the real name of this. It's called The Hands Resist Him. Yeah. It was painted in 1972. This is the truth of it. Ah. And it was painted by Bill Stoneham. Stoneham. Stone, Bill Stoneham. Bill Stoneham. Oh my God, Bill. So he um, has given context to this painting. He said that the painting is a representation of himself as a five-year-old. Oh. Um, and he says that the painting is a, shows the dividing line between the waking world and fantasy. Oh, lordy, lordy. Yeah, exactly. I think perhaps he had quite a tormented childhood, if that's his fantasy, is this dark sort of grabbing at you from yeah. from a void almost um now one thing that he had to make clear is can you see on that image there can you see any clearer that the doll is holding something uh from this distance, it looks like a tube of toothpaste that she's squeezed at it's all coming out well in the early internet images were much smaller yeah she's actually holding a, a battery with wires coming out of it ah. but where it meets the cross line in the door and the shadow from the arm, which is protruded past the door. Mm. Many people thought she was holding a gun pointed at yes. the young man. Yeah, yeah, I uh, can see that. Holding him hostage almost. <laughs> so this, this added into the fear where he, um, the, the artist Bill Stoneham, had to say um, the object was presumed to be a gun, but it's nothing more than a dry cell battery and a tangle of wires. Ooh. It's mm. still quite spooky, though. It that, is still it? weird that you a would hold it. A tangle of wires. Yeah, like a just a disassociated battery. It's still it's still very strange. In a doll's hand as well. Yeah. What are you doing with that doll? Put it, it down. And, I mean, the, the whole painting works to make a very spooky-looking thing, doesn't it? Yeah. It is just a it's weird... It's definitely got... Uh, an atmosphere it's got like a very certain atmosphere to it but now I've given you the truth I need to give you the mystery (gasps) the twist again so in the process of this painting being on the internet Mm -hmm. multiple people wrote to the sellers saying that just viewing it made them feel physically ill Uh, and some people claim to have uh, migraines started by the painting 
Um, it was one of the early things, you know, email chains where oh. people used to send the listing Ooh. around to each other, yeah, hence yeah. why it got so many views. Um, but the painting itself didn't sell for that much in the end. It sold for just over a thousand dollars, which is pretty good for an eBay painting, yeah, yeah. to be fair. And it was sold to the Perception Gallery in Michigan. Oh. Um, and when Mis- when the gallery in Michigan got in touch with Bill to um, explain the hysteria to him and to to speak, he, he was like he didn't understand. He didn't realize why people saw it so terrifying because to him. It's a representation of himself. He doesn't see that fear in it. But he did note on the phone that the gallery owner and the art critic who first reviewed it both died within a year of being in contact with the painting. And that, and then he ended the call there. (gasps) Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. Oh yes, there was a there was a series of tragedies after that. Everybody who came in contact to toot, not good. Well, 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 well. There you go. There's the like. I thought that one had the most mysterious ending. Yeah. Where the the paint the the people selling it were genuinely afraid of it. The artist was genuinely confused by the fear. Yeah. But also was like, oh, but people have died after coming into contact with it. Whether that's related or not, mm. it's still pretty spooky. Like this is the most legitimate one, I would suggest. Yeah. Because one one was genuinely a scary but was debunked. The yeah. crying boy, the anguish man. I think is just a sort of playing on people's social fear. But <laughs> yeah. I think this one is pretty... A, it's a, a brilliant piece of art. I think it's really well painted. Mm. But B, is actually quite horrifying. And the, the the truth of it is people don't actually know if the painting itself is causing harm to people. People certainly seem to be afraid of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't sort of be going about saying, oh, let me lick it and yeah, put like, it up in my hallway. No. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I feel, I feel like with this piece as well, it's so unassuming compared... I mean, like, The Anguish Man, it's obviously, I'm going to paint a scary picture, mm-hmm. whereas this is just so disconcerting and a bit unreal that that's when you sort of go, whoa, what's occurring there, my friend? Yeah, what's it's... What's occurring uh, there? It's, um, it's creepy, but it's not purposefully creepy. Yes, And yes. I think that's the point. It's that's a great, creepier. It's a great painting that's become horrifying. Yeah. You know, and whereas the other one, the crying boy, was like a mass-produced painting, not designed to be scary, but was scary because of the circumstance it found mm. itself in. So yeah, I I thought that was a really good one to end. I thought that was mm, the I like it the more like poignant it. of them. So that's my tour of haunted paintings Whoa, for you. Oh my goodness, what a tour that was! I mean, I'm gonna go to the gift shop now and get print A4 prints of all three. Oh God, can you imagine? Fucking I up. bet there's a gallery out there somewhere that specialises in like scary artwork. Oh, totally. And you could buy prints of these because people totally. love like horror and fear yeah, and stuff like haunted that. haunted objects like all the dolls and all of that. They big, love big it, market. You want to get, get it on eBay? Get it on eBay. Exactly. Good market. And I think this gallery in Michigan that bought the last one, the Hands Resist Him, didn't buy it because of the artist because they didn't actually know the artist at the time. Yeah. They, they found out who it was after research. They bought it on the hysteria. They bought it on the fear. They were like, oh, it's going to be pretty groovy, this. Mm. Watch out. Yeah. You're going to have to put some, like, salt circle around it. Yeah, exactly. Or something, some protection candles or something. So that's that's it for our spooky episode. Yeah. I hope what? you're having a, a nice Halloween. A spooky, a spook, spooktacular. Beware listening um, to this because the veil is thin on so Hallow's thin. Eve. It's it's like 90s sort of thin, the veil. Oh, yeah, like 90s fishnet thin. Yeah. Like the, the gap between is actually greater than the uh, the material itself. It's like Kate Moss. Watch <laughs> out, mate. Sort of heroin chic, this sort of 
stuff. But this yeah, is our no, heroin chic podcast, is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I think we need to do more festivities. More mm. festivities. Well, there is a uh, there is quite a festive holiday coming up soon. Oh, what? After Halloween? There can't be anything else. No, I think it's... Um, <laughs> straight through to the summer solstice. Straight, th- straight through to Easter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have got bonfire night. Oh, that is coming up that after this. That is coming this. up. That is coming up, but no. Yes, but yes. We're talking no. about the big fat man. Big fat, big fat man. That's no way to talk about... Um, I didn't want to call anybody out. Is I was going to say the fat controller. <laughs> the he's, fat controller. He's probably the only person famous enough that's known to be fat. Voiced by um, Ringo. Ringo Starr. Ringo. Yeah. Yes, I was trying to remember which Beetle it was. <laughs> oh. There's only one Beetle called Ringo, so you got it there. Well, I was just trying to remember. Was it? Was it to the one? But no. Not George Harrison, though. No. no, no, no. I can't imagine he was too stoned. No. Yeah. Exactly. He's like. Fucking peace and love, baby. Anyway. As we speak about George Harrison, we should leave. We should let these people enjoy their Halloween. And next week, season two starts officially. Oh, mama, hold on to your hats, your boots, your kinky boots, your thongs, and your woolly leggings, because you've just got to. See you back here next Sunday. They're going to be flying off. For episode one. Hootie tootie to toot toot toot. (laughs) There we go.